Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie. Lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. March, which means March Madness is underway. And gang, this is the sports rival for Ernie. This is Monty, and we're ready to talk a lot of sports today. But where I'd like to start, Ernie, you know, we took a couple of weeks off from from the NFL. Mm -hmm. But man, there's just so much juicy NFL talk to talk about. (laughs) And of course, it's always going to revolve around the quarterback position. And I think the most um, dominant, at least talk, at least early in the week, was one Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about Kyler Murray. At first, it seemed like they were upset. Now it seems to be a contract ploy. He wants to be paid. He wants to get like the Josh Allen treatment where he gets paid um, after his third year, even if he has one plus one year left mm-hmm. on his contract. My question to you, would you pay Kyler Murray right now $45 million a year, two years before you need to. Would you do it? No, I wouldn't. No, I, I mean, I, and I like Kyler Murray. I think he's an astounding quarterback and everything, but just his measurables, you know, he's a small quarterback. He got injured this year. You know, that injury did possibly play a major part in, you know, his lack of success towards the ending part of uh, last season. Uh, I, w- I would wait. I would wait and, you know, I mean, you as the franchise have the leverage. I mean, right now he's still on his rookie contract. I mean, if he does ball out, then you know what? He, he bet on himself and then maybe the leverage switches over to his camp. But right now I think the Cardinals have the leverage. At the very worst, you let him play out his contract, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, franchise tag him, if you will. I think Kyler Murray right now is just looking at the... Uh, you know, his peers in like Baker Mayfield, uh, Jameis Winston, two other former number one, uh, you know, picks, uh, quarterback picks, and uh, looking at at their contract situation, and it's really not benefiting the, him at this time. And I think if Kyler Murray balls out, uh, he'll get paid no matter what. You know, he just cannot fall into the trap. I mean, he, to me, he, he, he's already uh, produced better than both of those, uh, both of those quarterbacks, so... I am less concerned about him being paid, uh, but it all comes down to, you know, the general management of the Cardinals. And I just don't think right now, uh, if their hands aren't tied, uh, why do it? I completely agree. And so I want to tackle this from, from two perspectives. Let's, let's go from the Cardinal perspective. I wouldn't pay him. Now, there's been a lot of talk that you got to pay Kyler Murray. You know, a lot of people were, were talking about that. Um, because he's getting better, he's dominant, he's one of the dominant quarterbacks. And I, I take a little bit of issue with that. Yes, he is a dominant quarterback when everything is completely right. So what has happened the last two years is that he started off like gangbusters mm-hmm. because he's fully healthy. Mm-hmm. But at five foot eight, five foot nine, and the way he plays, he gets nicked up. So last year, he missed parts of games, but was hurt for the back half of the year, and his production crumbled. This year, he actually missed a few games, and even when he came back, he was a different kind of player, and his production crumbled. So from my perspective, can he be, if all is right, a dominant top 10, top 5, top 10 type quarterback? He has the talent to do so. 
I would not invest in somebody who's five foot nine, 200 pounds, that needs his legs to be effective. And I think we're, I wouldn't even invest in Lamar Jackson. You know, I wouldn't pay Lamar 45, 50 million. And I think you're kind of starting to see, it's not that his throwing will ever catch up to his legs, but how long can you, running backs in the NFL mm-hmm. only, only last three to four mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. How would a quarterback last any longer mm-hmm. if that's what makes you special? So from the Cardinals perspective, there is no way I would pay him when I know I have him under contract for one more year, plus his plus fifth year, plus two more years of franchise. Mm-hmm. There is no reason to pay him. Josh Allen is 6'6", 250, proven that he can play without getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray is not that. Mm-hmm. So from the Cardinals perspective, I would not do that. Now, from Kyler Murray's perspective, I totally understand why he's trying to do this for the exact reasons I talked about. He knows he's injury prone. He knows he's small. We talked about this during the the end of the season and when they played the Rams, how I said he doesn't like to get hit. He's not even getting sacked. He's just going down Mm -hmm. and to protect himself because I think he was worried about his money. Um, So from his perspective, he realizes that, hey, if I come out next year and I get hurt and I tear my knee, this is my chance to go and get paid. Um, so I get it from his perspective and from his, his uh, agent's perspective why they want to get paid now. I simply wouldn't do it. Now, that's from a talent standpoint. That's from an injury standpoint. I, don't even, I wouldn't even invest in Kyler Murray because of his attitude. Wow. His attitude, even from the times coming into the draft, he was aloof. He was aloof at Oklahoma. He's aloof at at Arizona. He's clearly not a leader. And you know what was really telling, I thought, all week? And maybe it's the people that I was listening to or the talk shows that I was listening to. But I didn't hear one teammate, not one, come out in his defense saying, we got to pay Kyler. We got to take care of this guy. Not a single teammate. When Dak was doing this, constantly teammates were, were, you know, coming to his defense, pay Dak, pay Dak. Lamar's, Jackson's teammates are saying, hey, we got to pay him. Mm-hmm. You don't hear that for Baker and you don't hear that for Kyler. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a sign that even don't his pay, own don't. teammates yeah. may not, may not really <laughs> care for him enough to say, hey, we don't want 45 million of our salary cap going to him because then the rest of the team is going to suffer. <laughs> Um, so that, that's, I mean, that's my take on Kyler. And I actually like the, I'm a Rams fan. They're in the same division. I'm a Rams fan that actually likes the Cardinals because Kurt Warner ended his career there. Mm-hmm. And I've always remembered that. Um, but I have a, I have a problem with Kyler Murray's attitude, not his talent. His talent is, is, is definitely there. And the other leverage that he has is he could always threaten to go back to baseball. Let's not forget. He was a first round draft pick mm. in baseball. He could always do that if he wanted to. Um, but something tells me, you know, 20 to 25, 30, 35 million a year, it will keep him in the NFL. Yeah, that's what that Just was. not yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he, he is what he is right now. I mean, very atta- very talented, but right now he just doesn't have the leverage. I mean, his I can see what his agent is, uh, why, why he wants to do it this mm-hmm. way. Uh, I'm, I'm not buying into the, the attitude problem as much as you are. Maybe he is just, maybe he's, uh, you know, I don't think he's a Baker Mayfield. Let's just say that. Uh, is it a little bit from the Oklahoma product? You know, both being that both of them graduated from Oklahoma, uh, who, who knows? 
which tells me that the USC is probably going to have a problem uh, in the next coming years. But uh, yeah, it's just coming down to in my very simple for me. He doesn't have the leverage. Yeah, he doesn't, and and it's just not necessary to to do anything right now. Now let's shift gears to somebody who thinks he has the leverage. The never-ending saga of Aaron Rodgers, still no decision. He had promised that he was going to make a decision before the, the NFL year opens. We're now a, about a week away from that taking place. So he has about a week left to make his decision. Right now, the Green Bay Packers have taken the stance that they're not fielding any offers for him. They've done everything in their power to make it attractive, bringing back his former assistant coaches, being willing to renegotiate his contract and make him the highest paid player. Mm -hmm. Even that I have a problem with. He wants 50 million a year. I would trade him. But anyway, your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers. Does he stay? I mean, apparently we thought he was, but now it's like 50-50 that he may not want to stay. Yeah, I think he, I think he stays. I mean, from the 50-50 standpoint, I, I mean, right now, the two, the two other teams other than Denver that are really uh, looking at to, to purchase them out, one of them being the Pittsburgh Steelers, I've been hearing chatter about that. They're not willing to, to get into the price tag. And when you have Tannehill, I mean, they're very close. Uh, Aaron Rodgers might disrupt that type of flow. I mean, I, I, that's a run first team. Now it's going to be what? Going towards a pass first team. I think that disrupts that a little bit. I think his only, if, if he does go, it's going to be the Denver. And I think out of those three teams, I think Denver has the least shot of going to the Super Bowl with him. He has a better shot. If he really wants to go out a winner, I mean, he is a winner. But if he wants to go out with another Super Bowl other than the one that he had, what, 12 years ago, uh, his best shot is going to be with the Green Bay Packers. And I think that's where he's going to be. Come the two th at the you know at the start of the 2022 season. Yeah, I mean I would agree. I think Green Bay offers the best opportunity for another Super Bowl. But I I I'm starting to come to the realization that maybe another Super Bowl is not that important to him. I mean, because if it was, then it'd be a different mindset. Even from the standpoint of if it's true. Now again, if it's true, if he wants to have his contract be renegotiated. And he wants to make $50 million a year. What that's going to do is they can do that. They can limit, lower his cap hit this year. And then they can stretch it out for, say, four to five years. He ain't going to play no four to five more years. He's not no Brady and right. how he takes care of his body. So at some point, the Packers are going to have to pay a price. But even from that perspective, Aaron Rodgers has made hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. If he truly wanted to win... The last thing you do at this point in time is try to renegotiate your contract when you're $50 million over the cap. You're trying to keep Devontae Adams and a solid team around you. Mm -hmm. You know, so if they do that for him, then they're going to have to let other pieces go. Exactly. It's just the nature of the game. Exactly. So I wonder how much winning is important to him. I'm sure it is. There, Everyone is a competitor. You want to win. But with Tom Brady, it was an obsession. With Aaron Rodgers, I think it's pretty clear that it's not. I mean, he is very much comfortable with his individual accolades, and he wants to cash in on the back-to-back -back MVPs. Um, but I don't think that makes Green Bay better. And if he gets traded, there's no way the Steelers or the Broncos or the Titans are going to give him $50 million a year. There'd be no motivation for them to do so. So I agree with you. I think he stays. I think it's in his best interest to stay. Um but I give up already with Aaron Rodgers. I, honestly, and I'm an Aaron Rodgers fan. You guys have heard me say that so many times. I'm sick of Aaron Rodgers already. Yes. I just wish he'd make up his mind and just 
go away. But that doesn't seem to be happening. Well, so, it, it, it should be done in a week, like you said. So we'll, we'll, we'll find out so, sooner than later, in my, from my opinion. One more big-name quarterback, and then we'll jump into some other things like your Steelers and who I heard that they're targeting this week. Um, the Washington Commanders made a run at Russell Wilson this week, mm-hmm. offering at least two first-round picks in a package and were immediately shot down. So it was it was interesting to see that Washington was making that kind of offer and it was interesting to see from the Seattle standpoint how they really weren't taking it seriously and they immediately rejected that. Your thoughts on, on Russell Wilson? I mean, it, is he staying in Seattle? I think that's the quarterback that might leave. Okay. Just knowing Dan Schneider, he's gonna overpay. He's just gonna overpay. Washington, the Washington Commanders have been irrelevant in the NFL in the most recent years. Uh, you know, ever since Dan Snyder took over the organization, I mean, it's been in shambles. And uh, do I think he should go to the Washington uh, Commanders from the Washington perspective? No, but that's what Dan Snyder is probably going to do. I think it's going to be just too much. I think uh, the Seattle Seahawks have seen their quarterback. Uh, you know, not just a quarterback, but that uh, terrific combination of offensive and defensive players uh, leave in exodus, uh, you know, from their uh, Super Bowl glory days. And they suffered their first losing season in, in quite a while. And I think the only way to, I think this is, it's going to put in their mind, if they can get maybe three first-round draft picks or two first-round draft picks and a good player, Maybe they throw in a Chase Young over there. Uh, that's going to be too enticing because they're in the same division as the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams, you know, and they're going to, and the, and the Cardinals. Uh, it's going to be very tough in their current, uh, from their current roster standpoint to really seriously compete. I think they're posturing right now and I think when all said and done I think there's a good chance that Russell Wilson may leave now where I agree that it's a possibility that he does leave um the difference between Russell Wilson and really all of these other quarterbacks is Russell Wilson is the only prominently named uh quarterback in this discussion that has a no trade clause so he can pick where he wants to go Aaron Rodgers can't even do that I don't think there's any way Russell Wilson would want to play for the Washington Commanders. I think his Christian background and Dan Snyder's issues with the sexual uh, misconduct and all those kinds of things. I cannot see myself seeing Russell Wilson being willing to play for that particular owner. Uh, I think it'd be much more likely to have him be traded to, say, Carolina, the Saints, the Bucks. Um or even your Steelers, you know, where I think he would fit nicely and the teams would fit nicely with what's important to him. I just don't think Washington is that. And I think that's where Washington is going to struggle. I think Washington is going to have to play, pay more um, because they have such bad ownership and, and such a negative environment surrounding the ownership right now that they're going to have to pay a steep price. But in Russell Wilson's case, he can nix anything that he doesn't want to happen, so that gives him a little bit more leverage. Um, what about Aaron Rodgers for Russell Wilson? I mean, a couple of aging quarterbacks, <laughs> just swap them, and then let's see what happens with that. Um, but I would, I would actually, you know, if the Steelers can get Aaron Rodgers, 
or Russell Wilson, I would I would cash that out. I mean, because according to this, uh, Pro Football Network, the Steelers are targeting three people: Mitch Trubisky, Teddy Bridgewater, and Jameis Winston. So I kind of want, and there may be other chatter, mm-hmm. but this is what Pro Football Weekly uh, Network came out with this week. Your initial thoughts on the three targets. We talked about Teddy Bridgewater as a gap-type quarterback. Well, mm-hmm. you can win. Maybe not a Super Bowl, but you can win with him. Uh, Jameis, I know your thoughts about Jameis. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mitch Trubisky, for some reason, he's getting a lot of buzz. And he's expected to make 10 to $20 million a year this year mm-hmm. from someone. Your thoughts. This is what I know from the Pittsburgh Steelers and what I've been reading from uh, the inside. Not, not Pro football is, you know, the, the whole NFL uh, Matt Canada's offense revolves around, and, and, and I know Ben Roethlisberger isn't a mobile quarterback, but that's, you know, when he was, when Canada was uh, in the college ranks, he, his offense revolved around a mobile quarterback. And none of those quarterbacks that you mentioned are, you know, other, other than maybe Bridgewater to an extent, is considered mobile. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if not. I mean, they might pick up one of them, but it's not going to be set in stone that they're going to be a starter. From everything that I've I've read, they really like Malik Willis. If they're going to make some type of investment, maybe they move up. They they pick him up. Maybe take a Teddy Bridgewater. Maybe take a Marcus Mariota. You know, just to see how that offense functions. You know, under Matt Canada's style of offense, because Matt Canada had to had to scheme around, uh, you know, basically a statue in Ben Roethlisberger and and that's why the offense really hasn't, uh, you know, flourished as uh, they anticipated. So I think the general, uh, I think the general consensus around that, uh, you know, give him a chance, give him a chance to fit the pieces in his, to his strengths as a coordinator and see where it goes from there. Because if, if the Steelers struggle, Offensively again this year, Canada is gone. I mean, uh, there were there were rumblings that he was going to be gone this this year, you know, because they failed on the offensive side. But they kept them on, and if I think if they kept them on, they want to build around his style of offense. So those three quarterbacks. Ah. Well, Trubisky is, is relatively mobile. I mean, mm-hmm. he's not your Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson type, but he is a fairly mobile, certainly more mobile than a Jameis Winston. Yes. Or even a Teddy Bridgewater at this point in time after that catastrophic uh, leg injury. I have heard that the Steelers are, are in uh, enamored with Malik Willis as well. Um, they may have to move up a little bit to get him in the draft, which is fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's certainly less assets to do that than it would be to go get Aaron Rodgers. Right. But what I'm hearing is they're going to do both. They're going to go get a quarterback. If it's a Marcus Mariota, so be it. Because it seems like Malik Willis needs some time. He's not one of those right. that's ready to come in and start next year. Right. So they can get somebody that can um, at least play for one year while keeping the Steelers relevant and competitive. I think that would be ideal. Um, but if Mitch Trubisky is going to get 10 to $20 million a year, that could price him out of that range. Um and then who knows? I mean, you could have a situation where if the, if the commanders are dead set on getting somebody, then a Ryan Fitzpatrick may may fit. He's not mobile, mm-hmm. but he may fit at least for one year while you train and you work up 
uh, Malik Willis. So I just found that interesting because Jameis Winston, I know how much you, you love him. But coming <laughs> off an ACL, I still hear the favorite for him is to go back to New Orleans. Um, but, you know, it, it remains to be seen. But for whatever reason, Mitch Trubisky went to Buffalo, apparently had a phenomenal year with the their coaching i don't know how you know that because you never really played right um but man the guy's set to cash in is what i'm hearing so we'll see more power to you mitch trubisky now early in the week there was a lot of chatter about tom brady maybe not retiring and maybe he's really not ready to retire and you have steve young and you have joe montana all saying come to the 49ers for one year because Trey Lance is not ready yet. Um, your thoughts on Tom Brady's possible return? And if he does, are the 49ers a likely destination for him? I think I think Tom Brady heads into the booth <laughs> the, the, this upcoming season. I think there, I, I, I think the... You know, the courtings for him, you know, as far as NFL teams are concerned, are, are, are going to be there. I mean, he can still play at a high level. We all know that. I mean, he's Tom Brady. Uh, you know, more Super Bowls in his 30s than in his 20s. So, actually, and, and into his 40s, actually. So, he's still very capable. I just think he's had enough. Unless it's... Unless it's a play, and, and, and this is no disrespect to the 49ers. They're a terrific football team, and he may be just the missing piece that they need to get over the hump with that terrific defense, a terrific running game, and everything like that. But I just, I, I, I think that, you know, when the, when the booth calls, and that was the same with Cowher and a lot of other analysts that came from a football background. That when that they called, the only the only person who went back was Gruden, and he went back for ten million dollars for a hundred million dollars. Yeah, for a hundred. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, ten million, a hundred million dollars over the ten year program. I mean that that's what it took to bring him back. I, I think it's just too comfortable. You know, I think he's gonna enjoy his. His, his, if, if I see Tom Brady coming back, I think he takes a year off, then he comes back. I think that's more likely. But I don't, I don't see him coming back. And if, if it's the San Francisco 49ers, we'll see. Oh, that would be a nightmare. Yeah. Now, I agree. I don't think, I, I, you know, Tom Brady is, is a very calculated person. I don't think he would have retired if he was willing to come back already in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. But I think he's smart enough to say the right things to keep people hoping, his Brady fans hoping that he comes back. Um, but in terms of the 49ers, he would be perfect for them. I mean, he would be perfect for them. But the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have already said, if he comes back out of retirement, it's going to take assets yeah, to get him. Exactly. And the 49ers just traded three number one picks to get Trey Lance. I'm not sure what assets they would have left uh, to trade for Tom Brady. So I don't see them as a viable alternative. But the Steelers would be. <laughs> the Steelers, to me, would be perfect. They still can live in New York. The Pittsburgh is so close. Their team is set up to be amazing. Their line is weak, but he's so good at manipulating things pre-snap that he'll m- minimize their weaknesses. True. Um, and then you draft Malik Willis and you have him for a year. That, I think, would be perfect for all involved. 
I know that he grew up in San Francisco. I know that he uh, he has uh, affinity for the 49ers growing up as a 49er fan. Um, but they rejected him a couple years ago because he actually wanted to go to San Francisco. And they said, we have Garoppolo already. And he ended up in Tampa Bay. So I don't think that that's where he'd want to go. And I don't think he's coming back. But if he did, the perfect one-year gap situation on a team ready to win is your Steelers. And I, that's where if he were to come back, I would love for your sake uh, and for mine that he's not in the 49ers <laughs> to come back there. So, that I mean, that's just kind of my, my thought on the Tom Brady. But I, I think he's too smart. I think he retires, and I, I think he's going to stay retired. Yeah. Um, Baker Mayfield. You know, Cleveland has come out saying, hey, they're going to evaluate all their options. So that's not a boost of confidence for uh, for Baker Mayfield, um, nor, nor should it. I mean, I still believe that team's roster is fairly loaded. I know they're going to be losing some pieces this year, but... Uh, they're a quarterback away. <laughs> they're too good. They're too good to... Uh, to not at least explore your options. Yeah. And they have assets. So they could go out and get uh, Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson, and they have enough to give up, you know, to, to get those pieces. So I think that they should do that. And a couple of other things. Real quick, surprisingly to me, the Cowboys are going to release Amari Cooper. Mm-hmm. I kind of saw that coming, that they were going to have to make some kinds of decisions. They had a lot of money invested in Cooper. They have a lot of money invested in Dak. They have a lot of money invested in uh, Ezekiel Elliott. I would have cut Ezekiel Elliott. Me too. And I would have kept Amari Cooper. Because now they're going to go sign Michael Gallup, who tore his ACL, and he's always hurt. But they're going to keep him. I'm not sure what it's going to cost them to keep him. But at this point in time, unless there's salary cap situations I'm not aware of, I would have moved on from Ezekiel Elliott and I would have kept Amari Cooper. I would I would have too. I, I've heard rumblings that they're going to pick up Juju Smith-Schuster from the Steelers also. So that might be, uh, you know... you know A, a cheaper option? A cheaper option. Uh, I mean, he's coming off, you know, his injury season. So, you know, we'll see how, how that actually works out for them. But, yeah, I agree with you. I would have... I mean, I, I thought, you know... From the beginning, when both Dak and Ezekiel were up for contract extensions, uh, that they should have done Dak first. I mean, just based upon the position, mm-hmm. the importance of the position, the longevity of the the position, you 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 go for the quarterback first. Uh, and I think Ezekiel's best years have coming on. You know, I just I, I truly believe that. I mean, no, no knock to Ezekiel, great running back. Uh, still fairly young, you know. Still fairly young, but that's just the court. That's just uh, the nature of these positions. You've seen great running backs fall off a cliff. Exactly, mm-hmm. your Todd. You know, your Todd Gurley. Yeah, at twenty-four, he was washed up. Exactly. So no, I mean, I really don't understand that. Again, maybe I mean his salary cap hit that's going to save Dallas a sixteen million. Amari Cooper, maybe Ezekiel Elliott's were, were less. But there's two other reasons why I would not have moved off Amari of Cooper. First, he's a class act. He's great for chemistry. He's great for the locker room. And the more important reason, gang, those of you that are 49er fans, you probably already know this, but if you don't, I want you to go to Google and I want you to put in this search. Dak Prescott's quarterback rating with Amari Cooper and without Amari Cooper. You're going to be blown away at the difference in Dak Prescott's rating. It's like an 80 plus without Amari Cooper and a 110, 115 
with Amari Cooper. Mm. That is a big risk if you're a Cowboy fan to take away somebody's favorite target, one that makes him that much better for salary cap reasons. Mm. So for me, the Cowboys are making a mistake to getting rid of a class guy and Dax. Go-to. Go-to player. Somebody that makes him better. Um, another risk. But as a, somebody who's not a Cowboy fan, go for it. You know, as a Rams fan, the more teams in the, in the, in the NFC that can weaken themselves, I'm all for it. And then the last thing, uh, Aaron Donald, there was talk that he was going to retire. Now it looks more likely that he's going to be, again, the highest paid player, uh, defensive player. I think they're going to rework his contract to free up some early money, give him some late money to make him the highest paid player this year. Uh, he deserves it. I mean, there's no better player in the NFL so certainly he deserves to be um, the highest paid player right now. So anything else in the NFL that I may have missed that that uh, came up? I know it's the combine this week, but it's a little bit too early to see exactly what's going on and how things are going to shake out. I think the biggest buzz, the thing that got my attention was Jordan Davis, that big boy from Georgia oh, yeah, yesterday, yeah. Yeah. that 340-pounder running a 482. Um, that's just crazy. That, but I love that guy. I mean, he seemed dominant at the college level. And you look at his draft stock, it's in the 20s. And I see a dominant player. So I think he's going to move up into the 10 to 15 range after the performance at the combine. I, I, I'd be surprised if he's past 15. I, I, I'm looking more towards top 10. I mean, when all said and done, I think they're going to know his measurables are there. Uh I, that, I I just can't see it. That guy that guy is like you said. He's a monster. He is. He's he looks like a monster. He plays like a monster. Uh, he's made himself a lot of money in the last couple of days. So lots of NFL talk. The NFL year is going to open up in the next couple of weeks. And then we'll have a better idea of where Aaron Rodgers is going to end up. That's where everybody has to decide who's going to get franchised. And then we're going to be around a month about six weeks out from the NFL draft, which completely is irrelevant for us Rams fans. <laughs> We're going to sit there. For the next it's few so years. irrelevant that the Rams, McVay and Leslie didn't even go to the combine. They skipped the combine in its entirety, um, which is crazy in and of itself. So let's transition to the NBA where uh, I watched a little bit of your Celtics and Nets today. Um, Jason Tatum went off for mm -hmm. 54 points. Yes, Kevin Durant did his thing. Um, but the Celtics continue to play well. They're now four and a half games out of the top spot in the East. Um, only a game and a half from the second spot, you know, mm -hmm. because two to five is bunched up there. The Nets have now lost three in a row mm -hmm. as they uh, get their pieces back together. They're now in the 10th spot in, in, in the East. So your thoughts first on the East, the situation in the East, your Celtics in particular, as they work their way up to the top. Yeah, I think the East is just at it. I mean, it's it's just so jumbled up. I mean, it wouldn't be surprised me. It wouldn't surprise me if, if any one of like six to eight teams comes out of the East. I mean, they're, they're that tightly uh, together. I mean, and, and it all comes down, when it comes down to a seven game series, it's going to all come down to matchup. Who you match up well with. Uh, and also, uh, if if you're if you're if you're on, you know, and and of course the health portion. So if all those things uh, line up, I, I really like the Boston Celtics uh, chances out there. I mean, uh, there is not one team ahead of them that they have a losing record against. 
They played terrific defense. They took they took over the number one spot from the Golden State Warriors, being the number one ranked defense in the NBA uh, as of this morning. Although you know, allowing 120 points to the the Nets uh, may uh, you know put them back at number two. We'll see what that what happens. F- regardless, they're top. They're they're in the yeah, top five. That, yeah, and they're definitely the top defense as of January by far. By far, by far, so they'll always be in the game, in my opinion. the 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 matter for them is, do they have enough offense if one of the two Jays are, are off, or if both of them are off? God forbid, you know. So that's going to be the major question. Where are they going to find that third person to produce the offense? Right now, it's been you know, take your turn. Al Horford has been he had a couple of good games. Uh, White has had a several good games. Even Pritchard has stepped up a little bit, you know, producing off of the bench. But uh, really, there has been no definitive number three scorer on that team. So, again, it, if, if they match up, uh, let's say, with a Miami or even Chicago, if Chicago's healthy, where, you know, they, they, they have the, the manpower to, to guard those two wings, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I mean, like I said, I, I, I can see six teams that wouldn't surprise me coming out of the East. Yeah, I mean, they, they, I, I like your Celtics. I, I think they're playing well. I'm not saying that they're going to be my favorite because there's so many variables. But I think what you just said about having that third person is going to be important for all of the top teams. I mean, for the, for the Miami Heat, you have Butler and you have Adebayo, I think would be your two main ones. Lowry is still good, but he's very streaky and he's older. Um, Duncan Robinson is there as well. So I think you have Tyler Hero that right. can be it. So I think you have more options for Miami to have more scoring. But with Philadelphia, you have... Well, now Ty- Tyrese Maxey has exploded since yeah. the trade. I mean, he has gone just absolutely crazy since that trade. Um so maybe Philadelphia with Embiid, Harden, and him, you know, that, that might be a challenge. But with Milwaukee, you know, now that their guys are all back, you had um, Middleton that went for 44 points today. Mm-hmm. Holiday's been playing well. Giannis is always going to play well. I think that they're there. But the Bulls, they're going to be interesting because they haven't been healthy in months. Whether it be Levine's knee in and out, you have Caruso out, you have Ball out. They're all coming, coming back, back. Re- in, in, in the not-too-distant future. Um, from Ball and Caruso's standpoint, their importance is on the defensive side. You have scoring in Levine and DeRozan. Uh, and you have rebounding and scoring in Vujicic. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have the pieces to possibly make a run. So I do agree with that. I mean, I think I still have Miami... Uh, and Brooklyn, assuming that yeah. they get healthy, uh, as my favorites with Philadelphia um, and Milwaukee right there. And your Celtics. I'm not a believer in the Bulls yet, but they could prove me wrong because they have the talent to do so. I still believe Cleveland will fade. Yeah. Toronto looks like they're fading. I don't take the Charlotte Hornets seriously. And Atlanta has some work to do just to make it in right now as as the 10th seed. So, But you're you're... Celtics keep playing well. They keep playing well. And what was encouraging is what you have been talking about for the last couple of weeks. The chemistry between the Jays are much better. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot more unselfish extra passing that was taking place in that fourth quarter that never used to happen before. They would go more one-on-one, but it was pass, pass, extra pass, 
um, which was nice to see. And it was both of them. It was Brown making extra passes. It was Tatum making extra passes. Even on a day where he scored 54, he was making some extra passes. And that's important because no matter how good Tatum and Brown are, when you get into the playoffs and it gets more physical and they allow more, they can be shut down. They're going to have to play team basketball in order to advance to what the Celtics' aspirations really are. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I'm, it's, it's a good spot to be in, in my opinion. I, uh, you know what? I, I'll, 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 I'll take it as it is. If the season had to end today, I'll take it heading into the playoffs. But, you know, there's still a month to go, and we'll see, we'll see if the cream rises to the top. Uh, because right now, looking, uh, w- I would rather have it where I know that the Celtics are heads and shoulders above maybe, you know, a bunch of four teams. of those teams, you know, rather than having six teams all bunched together, in my opinion. Yeah. So let me ask you one last question on the Celtics, because I think it's interesting. Like if, it were, if you're in the Eastern Conference Finals... What team do you think the Celtics would match up best against? So who would you want to see them play? And who would you not want to see them play? Who would you be most afraid of that the Celtics don't match up well with? I, 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 I don't think they match up with Miami very well. I mean, they've beaten Miami two... They, they've met three times. Uh, but Butler was out one time and Autumn Bayo was out one time. So... I just don't think they match up very well. They're deep. Uh, they can shoot from the outside. So if if and they got two good shooters in, you know, in Strauss and Duncan, uh, that if it you know if they're able to defend in the paint, that those two guys go off. That it's it's scary. And you know, their two guards are just like Boston's two guards. They play tremendous. They play, they play tremendous defense. The I I hope they don't get matched against Miami. Okay, I, you know. Um, so who would you be least afraid of then? I'll I'll be least afraid of, boy. I mean, I I guess I guess let's let's preface this with Miami, the Sixers, the Bucks, the Bulls, and the Nets. Let's just say from those five teams, who would you be least afraid of? Uh, I'd be least afraid of the Bulls. I uh, you know what. Uh, I think they match up well with the Bulls. I think the, the Bulls' strengths are where the Boston Celtics' strengths are. Uh, you know, coming from the wing side, you know, you have you have you have uh, Levine and Ro- uh, DeRozan versus you know Jason Tatum and Jaylen and, 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 and Brown. And I think the rest of the pieces surrounding them, you know, supporting them. In I, I think the advantage goes to the Boston Celtics. And I even thinking on the wing side, the advantage goes to the Boston Celtics. Well, you know what? Um, I agree with that, but mainly because, again, it's just, it's just I don't have that belief in Chicago because it's been a while. But if you look at their teams, there are a lot of similarities. You're, you're absolutely right. You have the Jays for the Boston. You have Levine and DeRozan. The Boston two are, are more athletic overall. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have Caruso and Lonzo, similar to Marcus Smart and Derek White to some extent, defensive-minded type uh type players i think vujicic is more offensive minded and and robert williams is more defensive minded um but yeah they're very similar in terms of their personnel and where their strengths and weaknesses lie right 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 i just i just think you know the emergence the emergence of grant williams coming off the bench you know i think the the growth and maturity of peyton pritchard i mean i was worried about that guy that guy was in a funk in 
in his last month, he's played very well. He's taken, basically taken what he's been given. Uh, in games prior to that, you know, he was like, okay, you know what? I, I have... I have some space. I'm gonna take, you know, I'm gonna take a 40 footer. I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm Trey Young. I'm gonna take a 40 footer. He's not been, been, he's been taking what the defense has been giving him. He's been playing a lot better. Well, I think that's a, that's a matter of addition by subtraction. That's what we're talking about. You got rid of Schroeder and you got rid of so many people. Now he has a role and he has a role that he can rely on. Uh, he to me he was clearly pressing early on, and when you're pressing and you start trying to do too much. And things go south fast. So I think that he's recovered there. So you know what? If you're afraid of the Miami Heat, how things look right now, although you hate the Brooklyn Nets, they could do you a favor and take out the Heat in the first round where they're sitting right now. They play in round one. And if I had to choose between a healthy Nets team and a healthy Heat team, I can't go against KD. Unless Kyrie still can't play in, in New York, then that's too much for yeah, him to handle. That, that, that's what I think. And that's, that's the big if I, there. I, I, ha- I, have a, I, have a, I have a feeling that the Nets are going to get out in the first round. I, I mean, I just, I just don't... Well, I'd be happy with that. I, I, I just don't think what all, they can, what all they've gone through, I don't think even the, the addition... Of Drogic? Of, of, of Drogic and Ben Simmons... If you want to put Ben Simmons in that conversation, is going to make much much of a difference. Well, with every day that Ben Simmons isn't playing, that's one less day to get any kind of chemistry exactly. be- between now and the playoffs. So I don't think the Nets are going to win it all this year. But it's just it's one of those situations that Katie, if not the best player in the world, is one of, and it's hard to all to say that he has no chance. So in in the West, there's a couple of things that I wanted to touch on. The Golden State Warriors have fallen off a cliff. Mm. Um, they've now lost what four in a row. They've lost, you know, lost eight out of ten. They lost to your Lakers. Yeah, they <laughs> lost to my Lakers, who look dominant. They look ready to turn it around. No, uh, the Lakers have been brutal. Uh, continue to be brutal until last night, and took LeBron's fifty-six, 56. points yes. uh, to make that happen. I still believe in Phoenix. Phoenix gave Milwaukee a run for their money yeah, today without. without Paul and Booker. Yes, uh, I think that they're going to come back at some point in time. Um, they're separating Golden State. For any of you who doubt the value of Draymond Green, it is coming out in spades over the last six weeks because that team has been... I mean, they had like, what, three losses in the first 30 games? And then since then, they're like like the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean they, they have they, really they suffered since Draymond went out. So at this point, it's Phoenix you know, on the top. Memphis is right there. Uh, actually passed Golden State for a little bit. Now they're tied. And with that, John Moran had another spectacular week. Um, that dunk over Porto, uh, Porto or, earlier in the week. And then that play um, where Steven Adams throws it from out of bounds and he catches it in midair with 0.4 seconds left and, and scores. He's just, he is the number one box office draw, I think, right now. So if you want to go watch somebody just for the spectacular play, yeah. That guy has just been unbelievable. I agree. I mean, he is what Zion should be Yeah. right now. Zion, you know, if you're... Uh, I'd be shocked if you're listening, but if, if anyone could tell Zion, hey, look at Ja, I mean, I would, you know, get back as soon as possible because that, that guy is a pleasure to watch. I just... And I, I really think that uh, when all is said and done, maybe Memphis does sneak up into the... You know, maybe the second position overtaking uh, Golden State because I, 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 Clay Thompson's been in, 
he's been a, a minor disappointment in my opinion. I mean, he, you know, I, I, I thought, I thought he'd be more of a, let's say this, more of the, more of the old Clay Thompson than what he is right now. And I think that's really putting a lot of pressure on Curry. You know, it's, it's, it's almost like he's playing by himself with just Draymond, with Draymond out. Wiggins hasn't, uh, you know, stepped up like he has in the earlier part of the season. So, yeah, if I was a Golden State fan right now, I, I, I'd be worried and I'd be hoping that don't, but don't bring Draymond back. To me, I would take third place right now. Oh, yeah. Let Draymond get healthy. That you're, you have an aged team right now. He's going to need the rest. And let him come back for a good push once you get into the playoffs. No, I, I agree. I, I mean, I think Curry has been doing a lot all season. And he hasn't been the same since Christmas. I mean, for me right now, he's not even first team all NBA. Mm. I mean, that's where I think he has fallen. Because I think John Moran is first team. Uh, I think DeRozan is first team. You know, I think Embiid is first team. I think Giannis is first team. And I think Luka has passed Curry already. Yes. So, I mean, just that, that's already five. Yeah. And it's not to Curry's fault, but he's had to do so much. And we talked about uh, uh, addition by subtraction. In Golden State's case, and I know Clay has been out for a couple of years, I think it's been subtraction by addition. And this is what I mean. Clay has not come back to be the Clay that we expected. And one thing that has happened since he's come back is Jordan Poole's play has taken a significant dive because now he's not getting the minutes anymore. Right. So until last night against the Lakers where he had a, a great game, it's been a struggle for the last two to three weeks. So you have a situation where he's no longer productive and Clay's not being that productive and Curry is struggling by Curry's standards. Um, I'm a little concerned about them. I think at this point in time, I think they, I think they are vulnerable to a number of teams. I mean, I could see... The Nuggets knocking them off, Utah knocking them off, Memphis knocking them off. I mean, I, I, I really do. I think, I think they're pretty vulnerable at this point, even if Draymond comes back. Um, the fact that Clay is not Clay and Steph is not Steph is a little bit to be concerned if you're a Warriors fan. Yeah, yeah. And I, th I think that the glue with Draymond, you know, he's, he's not a stat sheet filler, no. but he just makes all the right plays he brings them together he facilitates mm -hmm. great passer you know he is he is the heart and soul of the golden yeah. state warriors he's the he's the vocal leader he's the does the dirty work on the defensive right. side and he is the facilitator like you said right. and they don't have another facilitator so you're asking curry and and you're asking others to facilitate when they're not natural facilitators and and they miss him so if he comes back completely healthy i could be wrong um, that that could be a situation there, and in Zion's case, word is he's coming back to show up in New Orleans after two months in Portland. So he's back in New Orleans. Um, he should be clear to do some activities in the next week or so. I wonder if it has anything to do with the Pelicans on a four-game winning streak. Now going to overtime with the Nuggets, getting ready to win their fifth in a row since C.J. McCollum came. They've been very, very competitive, and maybe that is getting him to not want to be left behind. But I tell you one thing: one team that is not going to have to be worried about for Golden State or Phoenix or anyone else, and that's the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> They are atrocious. They're just a complete mess. I was happy for them. I actually watched the last two minutes yesterday, <laughs> and I found myself cheering as if we have a chance at the, at the NBA championship. 
Um, and there's a lot of people that are saying, at this point already, just shut down LeBron and save him for next year. The thing with LeBron is he wants Kareem's record. Mm-hmm. He ain't going to take 20 games out. 20 times 25 a game, that's another 500 points that'll mm-hmm. put him past Carl Malone and on the doorstep of catching Kareem. He's not going to sit out at this point in time. But the Lakers are going nowhere really, really fast. <laughs> oh, I, 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 me. I hear that there's talk that they might move uh, Westbrook to the bench. Yeah, well, they should. I mean, to me, at this point, it would make sense because LeBron and Westbrook just don't play well together. Yeah. I mean, they don't. Right. And it, it, now you can have... The ball in Westbrook's hand. When LeBron is out. Right. And he can let him be his aggressive self um, when LeBron is not in the game. And maybe you have some overlap. But at, th- at this point in time, I mean, yesterday's game changed everything in terms of the perception right now. But, I mean, they were just brutal. They got annihilated by the Clippers. They got annihilated by the Pelicans. They got annihilated by everyone else. They had lost every game since the All-Star break. And it's not even close. They play with no heart. Um, I think last night, the only reason they won was Matt Stafford was sitting there next to them on the bench. And LeBron told him, uh, you're in the building. I got to put on a show. There are only two games that the Lakers have won at home since the Super Bowl. is the game when Aaron Rodgers, I mean, Aaron Donald showed up. And then last night with Matthew Stafford. And if that's what it takes for the Lakers to play hard is having other people in the building, that's pathetic. So the, the Lakers are going nowhere fast. So <laughs> I am finding myself cheering for Ernie Celtics. And I got to say, this is the first time in my life that I'm cheering for that green team. Um, but I, I, I am, you know, for, for Ernie's sake. So that's, that's enough NBA talk. Like Ernie says, we're down to around 18 to 20 games left. Um, we're about 20% left in the season. It's going to come down. It's going to see how things shake out. Injuries are definitely going to be a part mm-hmm. of it. Hopefully, there's no more COVID waves, although Devin Booker is out right now because of COVID, uh, and hopefully that can piece back. Now, madness of March is synonymous with the NCAA tournament. A lot of college tournaments are getting started over the weekend, mm-hmm. so some teams have already punched their ticket. The majority of the big conferences start their tournaments uh, over the next few days. Gonzaga, the number one team in the nation, plays their first uh, West Coast Conference game tomorrow against San Francisco, hoping to punch their ticket on Tuesday. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited for the NCA. I'm excited for March Madness. I think it's going to be complete chaos. Yeah, that's what I think this year. I mean, there's a number. I mean, I can't remember when this it was actually this this wide open. I mean, uh, especially from the the week prior when you know all those uh, top ten teams lost. But so this will be definitely madness, and and it, it's going to be a streak. I mean, we saw last year when UCLA came out of the 11th seed to enter the final four and actually you know without a god shot from Jalen Suggs they would have been in the finals over there so anything can happen this year I look for this I look for a very very exciting uh, March Madness I do too and and so before we transition to your closing thought this is my early thought not knowing who's going to be seated where Mm -hmm. uh, or exactly what's going to happen and this these Anyway, I still I think Gonzaga is still going to make it to the Final Four. Mm-hmm. I think Duke's going to make it to the Final Four. Although they didn't show that yesterday against North Carolina, I think Duke will rise to the occasion with uh, Coach K's last hurrah. Um, I like the Auburn Tigers. I think they're set up to do well. You like Smith? 
I, I like Jabari Smith, but I like Walker Kessler, who's so much better in Auburn than he was for North Carolina last year. And their guards are strong. And until today, I had my quote-unquote surprise team was Wisconsin. Um, but I did see that their All-American, Davis, got injured today. Mm. Um, so if he's going to be seriously injured, then that changes everything for Wisconsin. A team that we both talked about last week that lost... Uh, over the weekend as well that I still think has final four aspirations are the Arkansas Razorbacks. I still am a believer in them. They have a lot of experience. So that's just off the top of my head, not even knowing who's going where, but just based on teams that I believe are set up to have the depth and the star caliber players and guard play that can get them through the gauntlet of six games and 68 teams. So that's my thought. So I want to turn it over to you. Anything on, on the NCA? If not, then you can go straight into your closing thoughts. Okay, well, I'll share with you my, who, I, who I like. I mean, I, I agree with you in regards to Gonzaga going up there. I mean, I think they, 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 they have the hunger for, uh, you know, first of all, not having, uh, with, with all those great teams, not having won a national championship, really being in there last year for Duke Timmy. Uh, is going to give him extra inspiration. I mean, he hasn't been playing that well as of late, uh, and we'll see how how Holmgren and and the and and his supporting staff are really back some up. But you know, they come from a they come from a very good system. I think that the coaching, uh, their style of play has it, it fits well with the NCAA tournament. They're 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 always a player, even on their weaker teams from past. I I like them to to produce. I also agree with you in regards to Duke. I think they have a turret. I think even though they lost to North Carolina yesterday, I think a lot of pressure was on them when, you know, uh, you're playing, uh, when Coach K comes, uh, you know, finishes his uh, illustrious 42-year career. And then 96 former, uh, former players, players come in. Yeah, I mean, then, then when when uh, Jay Will comes in and says, they, we got to win the game, I think that just put extra pressure, timely shots from North Carolina, added more pressure on their shoulders. I think when you watch the the ending ceremony where Coach K talks to his team and you saw the players, you saw dejection on their face. They felt so bad about losing that game. I think they come out like gangbusters and produce in the NCAA tournament. I like another SEC team, and it's not Kentucky. Yes. I... I I like Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee's I, re- well. I really like Tennessee. I mean, they they beat uh, an Arkansas team who I thought was coming on like gangbusters. You know, over the last month, they're just consistent. They have good outside shooting. They have they have tremendous car play. They're not a big team, but they can shoot from anywhere. You got four, you got five legitimate uh, three point shooters on top. They follow the same. The, you know the same formula as you know last year's championship in Baylor. They play tremendous defense. I really like Tennessee, and my last team that I think is going to be in there is UCLA. UCLA just has experience. Been, yeah, just the experience. They've been playing well. You know they upset uh, Arizona, who's who's everybody's uh, I guess favorite to come out of the you know the Pac-12. Uh, I like UCLA. Uh, just for the fact that they've been there, they're coming back. They were, they made it there on the 11th seed. They're going to probably be a three or four seed going into this year's tournament, depending on how they fare in their tournament. 
I like those four teams as as. Yeah, I I, I I mean I like those teams too. I think Tennessee is on a roll. I think Tennessee is going to play themselves into a top. You know, a, a, at lowest a four seed could be as high as a two or three, depending on how the SEC uh, SEC tournament goes. But that SEC tournament is packed. Loaded. I mean Auburn, Kentucky. Tennessee, Arkansas, Arkansas Alabama, yeah. uh, LSU can knock anyone off. I mean, that, that, that conference has come a long way in the last five years because mm-hmm. they were a really weak conference, um, but not anymore. Not I mean, anymore. they are a extremely strong, strong conference. And with the Gonzaga situation, I think the St. Mary's loss, hopefully that is what they needed. Get that out of the way now before they get into, into the tournament. Same like Duke. You know, sometimes a loss like this can propel you uh, like it did Baylor last year. I mean, Baylor lost their their conference tournament and then went on to win the national championship, which is what I think a lot of people expected. So, oh, March Madness. There's nothing quite like it. Next week will be. March Madness. Next next week, week, Selection Sunday. Next week is Selection Sunday, and then we'll kind of go from there. But Ernie, let's... let's, uh, I, I'm excited to hear your thoughts on, on what was my favorite coach of my lifetime. Wow. Okay, good. We all know that Coach K has retired. So that's basically my, my uh, you know, my thought of the week. And this is coming from a North Carolina fan. I mean, when I was growing up, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about Dean Smith, Michael Jordan, James Worthy, Brad Doherty. And on the opposite side, you saw Coach K. And when I first saw Coach K, I said, how do you get Krzyzewski out of K-R-Y, crazy, Zuski? <laughs> and I was like, I don't like this team. So and and I really gravitated towards towards North Carolina with all their star power back. And this is in the eighties. This is when, I mean, it, going back then. I mean, uh, Duke 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 had like Johnny Dawkins, Danny Ferry, all those all all those guys. And I I hated Duke. And it took me all this time to really appreciate, you know, really 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 appreciate. Mike Krzyzewski, I mean, perfect, ter- no, no doubt about it. whether you like him or you hate him, uh, you got to respect the guy. And last night when, when you know, he gave his speech, uh, the thing that stuck to me most when he said to, you know, to the audience that there was never a controversy about who he loved more in regards to basketball versus his family and he appreciated his family but he said that his family knew there was never a question on who do you love what do you love more coaching basketball or your family and he said it's it's easily it's always been his family mm-hmm. and how many coaches can say that how many people in in who have successful uh professional careers can say that i mean the divorce rate right now is is over 50 percent and, and he's been going strong for how long? I mean, it takes a tremendous guy to do that. I mean, and we all know the, the fire under uh, Mike Krzyzewski. I mean, he was too, he played under coach Bobby Knight. We all know about Bobby Knight. And you all, you all see him on the sideline. The, the guy's a maniac, but the guy has, the guy has total respect and, uh, of everybody out there. I mean, and, and for him to produce, I, 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 and in the 90s, I thought that guy was going to go on a, on a, on a really big run when he won back-to-back in 1991 and 92. And I thought like with, with Christian Leitner back in, in those days that he'd go on a, on a big run. He went to 12 Final Fours. Final Fours. He only won five of them, you know, but 
hey, to get to five, that's 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 amazing. He's 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 produced. I mean, he's he's had twelve National Coach of the Year honors. He's had twelve regular season championships, fifteen ACC ACC tournament championships. I mean, his winning percentage is almost ninety percent. Hundred twenty six weeks ranked number one in the AP poll, and his career wins is the most by in, far in NCAA history. But I think the I think the the best thing that I'll remember about Coach K, the best thing I'll remember about Coach K, is basically this year. You know, when he when his players lost to North Carolina, he turned to his players. And he said to them, and they were all down because they had just, they, they lost, you know, against their arch rival in North Carolina. And he says, you might not feel it right now, but you, you got to know that I love you guys. And his belief in them that they were going to win going into this tournament was very compelling. And you could just feel it. I almost had, I almost had like a mistiness in my eye for a Duke coach, <laughs> which which is blasphemy. Uh, thank you, Coach K. You're going to be hard to replace. I, I will miss the rivalries, even though uh, in the last 20 years, it's been more Duke than North Carolina. Uh, you know, never, went, never been to Durham. I'm pretty much sure you'll have streets named after you. I am still a Chapel Hill boy. You know, I'm, I'll, I'll still be North Carolina blue in Chapel Hill, but much respect. To Coach K, you deserve to have a good retirement. I mean, forty-six year career that is second to second to none. And, and and like I said, you know, I love Pat Riley as a Laker fan growing up, but his time with the Lakers was relatively short. And, and and although I believe that he is a great coach, and there are other coaches like Bill Belichick and stuff, but overall, for for the length of time, for what they've accomplished, for the person that they are, uh, and you can tell how important he is. I've never seen anything like those 96 players coming back. And you're talking about the who's who's, the Leitners, the Boozers, the J-Wills, the Dunleavies. All of these all flying in for his last game to pay respects. I've never seen anything like that before. Uh, and I was always a Coach K fan. But when he took over the U.S. Olympic team and what he did in reviving that with three straight gold medals and to see the respect that people like LeBron and Kobe had for, uh, for Coach K, you could tell the kind of man um, that led to his coaching and the kind of man that he is to command that kind of leadership, to command that kind of respect. Um, and, and I think early on, I think over the last 10 to 15 years, I think Duke has not had this quote-unquote success that they would have hoped. But it's a different world now. You know, back in the days where he was dominating, he had Grand Hill for four years and Leitner and Hurley for four years right. and those types of things. Now you're flipping through guys on a, on a yearly basis. So you're trying to win with a new team every single year, and that's exhausting, and that's hard. And no one is going to be able to dominate right now in basketball the way basketball is allowed to play. Uh, so his success was staggering. I'm glad you you brought it up. Uh, I, I honor you, uh, Coach K. Uh, it, it was teary-eyed for me as well. Um, but Duke has one more chance. He made it clear to everybody in attendance. The mm -hmm. season is not 
over be, yet. And, and I believe it. I believe it too. And if it's not Gonzaga winning their first ever, I hope it's Coach K winning his sixth. That would be a story in itself. That would be a fitting conclusion for him. And that's a fitting conclusion to another show this week, gang. Again, we encourage you, please check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook. Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. We encourage you to share your thoughts about Coach K. Do you agree with us that he's one of the greatest of all time and in my opinion, the greatest coach of all time? Um, What about our early thoughts about the Final Four? Do you agree with those thoughts as well? And March Madness is on its way. Maybe Ernie, by the next show, we'll have some clarity on where some of these quarterbacks are going to land maybe even your Steelers will know where they're going to go probably not with Aaron Rodgers this is going to continue indefinitely but gang until next week the sports rivals are out thank you for joining us on the sports rivals podcast check us out on social media at sports rivals podcasts on instagram and at sports rivals pod on twitter where you can share topics you'd like to hear 